letter of James speaks about how we respond in faith to what God has done and then in actions we live that out. And so our reading is from James chapter 2. And just notice uh, where it mentions uh, the poor several times. James 2 verse 1. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose someone comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor person in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the one wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good spot for you. But say to the one who is poor, hey, you stand over there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom He promised those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if people claim to have faith but have no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, hey, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God, good, Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God And it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that people are justified by what they do, and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, 
So faith without deeds is dead. And so the emphasis there on the actions coming from faith. And in our text, thinking of the poor person, verses 15 to 17, someone who was without clothes and daily food, and just saying, be warm and well fed, but to accompany that with actions. People of God, We are thinking of World Hunger Sunday here this morning. And as we reflect on that, the words of James speak very much to that. There is a sense very much of God's care for the poor, for the hungry. And I think we know that generally, but just to see how central that is... In a passage, even as James is speaking to the New Testament church, as he is highlighting what they're supposed to do, and care for the poor and the needy is so central. Verse 2 begins with that sense of the poor person coming in and and in a particular attitude. Say, oh, who are you? And that is... It's what we looked at last week, a sense of an attitude that kind of dismisses the poor. Verse 5 has that very uh, striking statement that God has chosen them in a special way. Somehow God's eye as he looks, he loves all his people, absolutely. But there is just that special sense of God's care for the poor. And so we need to have that eye of God as well. In verse 6, it mentions how we dishonor God when we dishonor the poor. So it's directly related to our faith lived out. In terms of the God we want to honor, we want to praise, then we better be mindful of the needs of the poor. Verse 15 speaks very much strictly to that daily food kind of thing that we're thinking about in terms of world hunger. And, and then a very uh, casual response, which is to maybe say, oh, I hope something can be done. And then the response of true faith that goes out in deeds of thankfulness. This particular uh, aspect in James comes through in other letters in the Bible, and it's highlighted in the life of Jesus himself, who had that sense of caring for the poor and the hungry. When Jesus saw the people that were hungry, he has the feeding of the 4,000 and the feeding of the 5,000. And, and what exactly initiated that, his incentive, was his compassion. And so in Matthew 15, for example, verse 32, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. What people? People who had been following him who were hungry. And he cares for them. And he says, too, they've already been with me three days, have had nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry. He actually, officially, cares about their physical needs. Think, oh, he's concerned about that they would be spiritually encouraged and strengthened. Absolutely. But the compassion begins with clearly connecting to they are hungry and they need to be fed. 
And so that basis is underlying the Bible's response to the work of Jesus that by faith the Holy Spirit would work in our hearts a similar compassion for the poor and needy. So we respond with a, an attitude that is open and, and ready to do what we can. To engage our faith with action. Our faith, uh, just to compare it like, like an engine, let's say. Our faith is like an engine. We were walking, uh, we didn't drive this morning because I didn't think too we would even make it. Anyway, we walked this morning and as we were walking, the neighbor down the road, he had the old van he was digging out, and he had it running. And there it was, idling along, right? Great. Warming up, good. But if you just leave something idling there, like we have laws against that now, right? Anti-idling laws. If your faith is just running, yeah, it's there, and you are kind of running through the motions of your faith, but you never actually put it in gear. You never actually go anywhere. You never actually accomplish anything. But the motor's running. It's running good. It's running on all cylinders. But you're not doing anything with it. We would say, too, what a waste. Start the car, have it run for three hours, and turn it off. Oh, that was great, wasn't it? No. That was a total waste. The tractor on the farm? So this is... This is the thought that's being expressed here. You have that faith, absolutely. Keep it strong. Good. But you have to engage it. You have to put it in drive. You have to move forward with actions of love and mercy. And so that's, that's what James is emphasizing. People of good faith who were not engaging that faith in lives of thankful service. So that's the challenge for us as well. Maybe even this World Hunger Sunday where we want to celebrate God's grace and we want to recognize the needs of the hungry. There are things that, that have been done and are being done. And so I want to celebrate the fact that people have become very active in this particular area. And our church and our tradition has done that in amazing ways. One example I wanted to start with was what we saw last week, uh, Canadian Food Grains Bank uh, in Kenya. They are helping the hungry with water sources and the sand dams that they do there and terracing the hillsides. And what is that? That's Christians, also our church, giving help, instructing people how to do their farming, how to have good water, and how to be fed. And so that is a wonderful coming alongside of poor people who are very hardworking people and helping them to be food secure, helping them to be fed, faith in action. Another aspect is the harvests around here. I'm not sure here. These kind of things. So nice, eh? Community food project. And we had one again here, right? And that was just southeast of town here. And 
I don't know if you made it out, but it's fun. You get combines out, and you get trucks, and you get food being... It's tremendous. I wonder, do you actually know... Like, we had a project here uh, through central Lacombe area, right? And there's one out west, and there's... Do you know, actually, how many there are? Maybe a, a dozen or two? I, I checked it out online, and, and just in western Canada... So from, from Winnipeg over, mainly uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan, uh, and, and southern Manitoba there, there's a hundred projects just in that area. And then if you go to southern Ontario, and all the churches there, and the Christian Reformed Church, largely part of that too, there's another hundred that take place every year. And if you go to Maritimes, there's, there's about two dozen. So there's about 225 of these efforts taking place in Canada. They say, praise God. How is that possible? People donating land and seed and everything, and the hungry are being fed. And this is a beautiful one because it's food. It's, it's, it's grain coming off the fields, and then it, it goes into providing food along with that wonderful blessing here in Canada that the government actually adds to it, right? Four times? I think it's four times, right? Yeah. So you have 225 projects, but that's multiplied by really like, yeah, 1,225, really. And, and we think, thank you, Lord. I mean, praise the Lord. People are, are responding. They have an attitude of saying, hey, this is right, this is good, this is, this is God-honoring, God-glorifying. And so we give thanks for those efforts. And on a day like World Hunger Sunday, we can celebrate that and we can see faith in action. James 2, declaring that, that our faith would be active to be a blessing to others. I have a second example. I wanted to ask you if you like to get out on your bicycle. If you bicycle around town, not the Dornan Balls are not here, but Jerry, he always did a lot of biking around too, hey? Good exercise. And as, as people from a Dutch background, we like bicycling if we can, right? It's not bad. Bicycling ties into this sense of hunger. Last week I talked about the cycle of poverty, that people get caught in the cycle of poverty and they don't have enough just to, to break free from that. And that, that gave some people the idea we need to bicycle to really raise awareness and raise funds to help the poor. And so this past summer, again, it was the third C2C bike tour. And we had the devotional books again. And the reason for the tour was to end the cycle of poverty. They had a thing on their shirts, cycling to end poverty. So there wouldn't be the hungry anymore. So people came from both the U.S. and Canada and from our church, the Christian Reformed Church, and the Reformed Church in America, which we partner with, and they all got together and they biked from Los Angeles to New York for nine weeks. And people each had to raise $10,000 of support themselves, and they did, and they raised $1.75 million dollars. 239 people with a heart for the needy and a love for biking. 
And so that came together. And the hundreds who supported them financially and in prayer, and they made the 6,000-kilometer ride. And faith was active and alive. And the awareness was raised in communities all across the U.S. and Canada. And I do have just a little clip. Do you have that primed or is that snowed out as well? Hey, just a reminder of what it was and what they did. Did you know that nearly half the world, three billion people, live on less than $3 a day? That 18 children die every minute due to poverty. It's one child every three seconds. And that more than nine million people die worldwide each year because of hunger and malnutrition. bike tour will be the largest cross-continental bike tour ever, starting in Los Angeles and ending in New York, with stops that include Phoenix, Colorado Springs, Grand Rapids, Toronto, Montreal, and many other communities across the U.S. and Canada. The goal of the tour is to increase awareness about the underlying causes of poverty, to increase action, and to motivate people to get involved in ministry with and for the poor and to increase funding to support new and existing programs aimed at ending the cycle of poverty for individuals, families, and communities around the world. Did you know that World Renew <coughs> decreasing malnutrition for children under five through growth monitoring, education for parents, and better access to food? That Partners Worldwide is offering community-based loans so people can invest in their own business to generate income and that the Reformed Church in America has been working with Christians in Sudan, providing funds for humanitarian relief, medical care, and for actions that will help build a lasting peace in that foreign country. The 2013 tour will pass through 12 American states and two Canadian provinces, and cyclists will ride almost 4,000 miles, or 6,000 kilometers. They'll travel over mountains, through deserts, high plains, and facing whatever weather comes their way. Please support these writers with prayer, encouragement, and by making a donation toward their fundraising efforts. If you're near the bicyclist route, please come to one of our celebration rallies next summer. It's a great opportunity to support the writers and the volunteers that God is doing through the tour to bring exposure and help to fight the war. The statistics on global poverty seem overwhelming, but there is something we can do, and there is something we are doing in the name of Jesus. We hope you will join.
So the sense of there's something we can do, there's something we are doing. So on World Hunger Sunday, it's good just to reflect again, yeah, there's that need and we are making those efforts. I just wanted to share a quote from Mr. Lou Haverman. Uh, He's in his early 60s. He rode the entire distance of the tour this year. And he adds this in terms of of how how it uh, is meant to speak. The The single thing in all the planning and peddling is experiencing a renewed sense of what it means to be a person of faith on the journey of life, realizing that I am part of a community of faith that embraces the entire world and has a vision to make it better. That it's an attitude that we can make a difference. And C2C brings together the outward actions of an inward commitment to be an example of what it means to be a person of faith in the world. So James 2, people see that and say, oh, these are people of faith. This is, this is what they do. This is how they worship God. This is how they serve in thankfulness. So that's a beautiful thing. And I'm thinking too, we, we can celebrate that. The third example Um, Last Sunday, I mentioned the wrong attitude of selective food buying and eating, that our culture is very quick to toss uh, an apple with a little blemish and this and that. And that's indeed the kind of thing we can get caught up with. What can we do about that? Now, I have something here. I don't know if uh, even many of you have heard about this. Some of you maybe have. It's based on the story of Ruth. Uh, food for the hungry, and it's uh, the gleaners, the Fraser Valley gleaners. Check out what they do. So here's Ruth gleaning. Any luck? It's odd it doesn't work. See, when you harvest the grain to the end of the field, they were supposed to leave something, right? So what they do here is they take all the produce from the Fraser Valley area and distributing it to needy people in over 40 countries worldwide. Several days each week, Volunteer drivers pick up produce from greenhouses, frozen food processors, and local vegetable and apple growers. In our business, we have an awful lot of waste product, second level grape, peppers, and tomatoes. In the past, we've had to literally throw away, either spreading it on the field or to feed to other animals, you know, who's not sitting well with us. And then the idea of actually taking the product and uh, drying it and using it to feed hungry people around the world just made total sense. And we think it's a great idea, and that's why we wanted to support it. Once the produce is unloaded, it is either placed in cold storage 
or immediately washed and prepared for processing. Volunteers work at specially designed workstations, removing any blemishes, pores, and other inedible pieces. The trimmed vegetables are then diced into small cubes. These are then mixed, carefully spread out into drying trays, and stacked in movable racks. Once the racks are filled, they're rolled into large industrial dehydrators. After the vegetable pieces have dried, the produce is scraped off the Teflon trays into bins and then transferred into barrels for temporary storage. At certain times during the year, an assembly line is created to combine the various dried vegetables into a soup mix. Volunteers carefully measure the correct amount of each ingredient into buckets. The completed soup mix is then funneled into bags, heat sealed, and packed into barrels or boxes ready for shipping. Upon rehydration, each bag provides 100 servings of soup. While our financial partners provide the key funding for basic operating and equipment costs, it's the energy and enthusiasm of our volunteer teams that makes it all happen. From students to seniors, volunteers arrive five mornings a week, diligently processing all the food we receive. I like to come here because I feel useful. I like to come here because I feel uh, we can make a contribution to the problems that exist in the world. We were just cutting up some food, but you know that all the barrels and everything that you're cutting is going into like third world countries and they're helping kids eat. They get it's like their only meal, so it's kind of, it's just really cool knowing that you're helping out. And we are able to provide over 10 million soup servings each year. Are you having soup today for lunch? Right here. Ten million. So we can have a sense too that people, yeah, the, the Armand, he said too, it just didn't feel right. Hey, it wasn't right. And then Jake and Kelsey too, to help out, to just be able to help and to feed the hungry in a way that's possible. There's one Gleaners uh, in Fraser Valley. There's another one um, by Oliver. And so there, where, where it's possible with all the greenhouses, that sense of, of being able to reuse or get that food out to people. There's that sense of, of having a heart and an eye of faith that sees, hey, what can we do? And to do it. And stuff is being done, and we're very thankful for that. The, the more closely, uh, the fourth example is uh, our own food banks here. And we do have a good involvement in the food bank here in town. And there is a sense of feeding the hungry. In Alberta alone, the Alberta Food Bank helped 53,000 people in 2012. That's a lot of people. And that's a beautiful thing. We have uh, also through, I'm not sure, we have gardeners here. If you have a garden, then you can also plant a row for the food bank. And that program continues to just be part of, 
of people who have gardens, uh, they often have too much. I don't know, Ameris even has the garden here, right? Yeah, you can, you can just, yeah, whatever extra can go to the food bank and you can just share that abundance. And so that sense, I just wanted to share with you, we had it uh, some years ago, my dad, when we moved to Winnipeg, my dad was a minister in Winnipeg, I wanted to share with you, he, he grew cucumbers. We got to Winnipeg and he was pastoring the church in Winnipeg and, and the soil in Winnipeg is beautiful, rich and dark. So we had a big garden in the back of the house and he was planting cucumbers. And they grew and they grew and they grew. <laughs> and then after a while he realized, these are zucchinis. <laughs> these are not cucumbers. And then we were giving away zucchinis. Boy, giving them away because we had zucchinis. It's unbelievable. But that's the natural thing you do, right? You garden, you love to garden. See it grow. And if you have more, you give it away. And so that Christian heart has an active response. I wanted also as our fifth example to have us just keep that attitude, that, that awareness of, of the need that's out there. Now, World Hunger Sunday is great, absolutely. We, we pause to remember, we see what God has done, and we do try to help where we can. We'll be supporting World Renew with, uh, with our offering again this morning. But, but just a sense of, of how do we just recognize the need that's really always there. And so part of the devotions you received suggests, too, to actually do without food for a day. Not everybody's comfortable with that, but that is something where you say, okay, maybe once a month, okay, uh, I'll just fast for a day. And there's a biblical sense to that, recognizing, yeah, God's blessing to me and being in prayer for those who have a little. Another thing alongside that would be instead of actually fasting, to have a ration meal once a month. People who live in different, uh, very uh, poor areas get a ration from Canada often too. They get some oil and some beans, some rice, and there is a, for that basic ration, they make a meal. So if once a month you made a ration meal, maybe on a Sunday, and I have a recipe here for you, a basic recipe that is used for a ration meal. Here, here's our, here's a young man enjoying his meal, see? So here you would go, you have your beans and your rice, uh, two cups of dried red beans, you have a large onion, you have some salt and pepper, and three cups of rice. So you soak the beans, you heat the beans, you add the salt and the onion, boil for at least two hours, mash up the beans with the oil, and serve with rice. If you, this is a, a, a ration meal. This is a, a good recipe using the only food that these people have. So you could enter into their situation by enjoying a ration meal, the ration they receive. So just, just a, a possibility, a sense of, 
yeah, we have so much we can hardly decide what we're going to eat. Well, here is a basic meal that many are, that's all they get. And so that, that sense of awareness, the sense of this is, this is the people we need to be concerned about and help where we can. Then I was reminded that classes about the Honduras Water Project, which is an effort of this classes. As a church, we are part of Classes Alberta North, and the 32 churches in this classes support through our giving and people going to get clean water for people in Honduras. Honduras is a town too where it's, uh, sorry, a country where many poor people, a third of the population live on less than a dollar a day, and hunger is a constant threat. And so teams go from Alberta North, King's students, church members, helping in the name of Jesus. So we can give thanks for that, and we can, maybe that would be something you would be interested in doing sometime. It's definitely a good. Final example is through World Renew. World Renew is the arm of our denomination that does this kind of work. I did want to highlight one aspect of that is the free a family. And so for $22 a month, you can support a family like this family in Bangladesh, and you get a little report. It's not like Compassion, uh, World Vision's Compassion Child, where you actually get one child and then writing back and forth. That's nice too, but this is, this is more cost effective. It is a family that is supported and that is kind of the sample family. So there are many other families than this family being supported. But then you hear the story of this family where these, these parents too are working uh, some very menial custodial kind of cleaning work. And then they, they try to do a few things on the side and it's, it's very challenging. And then World Renew comes alongside and supports them so the kids can be cared for and can go to school and, and things like that. So the Free of Family program is a beautiful thing. And now World Renew continues to work quite specifically in the area of food. And I just have finally from them, they have a, a sense too of, of how God has called us to do that work and uh, in terms of food, God created us equal and that we need to share in the area of food as well. This is their actual promotion. Do we have that one yet or not? Yeah.
think it gives you the sense this is World Renews work specifically in the area of food and helping specifically those in need who need food and so the contrast too of how we have what they have so all the food on one side that we have and the very simple food they have they have to process it all and they go into situations and they make a huge difference just to be able to provide through what we also give so this morning especially just the sense too that we recognize hunger in the world that we also just give thanks that much is being done and that we continue to have an attitude and awareness of yeah God continues to call us here locally and throughout the world to be that caring presence because when it says there in James chapter 2 that we are just saying if one of you says go I wish you well keep warm and well fed but does nothing what good is it in the same way faith by itself if it is not accompanied by actions is dead so we want to we want to be active in our faith let's pray together